Hi, you're listening to the sermon recording podcast of Awaken Church. Awaken is a church of missional communities whose vision is to see individuals experience healing through the gospel, be raised to their fullest potential among community, and sent out to live a life on mission. You can find out more online at awakenvb.com. And if you live in Hampton Roads, we invite you to check out our worship gathering in the Haygood area of Virginia Beach, Saturday evenings at 5 p.m. Thank you for listening. My favorite answers were the ones about me brainwashing you, though. That was the best answer. I don't recall that, just so we're all aware. And now that my part's recorded and Jeff's not, I did not brainwash anyone since my part is now podcasted. So, And Jeff does have two beautiful sides, the left and the right. So, All right, well, hey, my name is Philip. I'm one of the pastors here at Awaken Church. Uh, it's great to be with you all tonight. Uh, we are a church of missional communities, and... As a church of missional communities, we talk about things all the time, and one of the topics that uh, we have decided over the last couple of years to make sure it is a non-negotiable as a part of our church through a teaching series is to talk about money and our finances. Um, and I joked with uh, Jeff and Neil a minute ago that I probably maybe should have posted on social media that uh, you know we are talking about money this upcoming weekend because maybe it scared everybody away. Uh, this weekend, but the reality is uh, it's one of those subjects that can be tough to talk about, right? Um, how many of you guys, just by a show of hands, have been a part of a faith or a church community for more than five years? Okay, the vast majority of people. Keep your hands up if it's been more than 10 years. More than 10 years you've been a part of a faith church community. 15 years? 20 years? Leah, you're not that old. Oh, yeah, 10 points, guys. Um, right, so a lot of you have been around the church community for a long time. The, the reality is money is one of those taboo or potentially taboo subjects within the church that people just hate talking about. Whether it's like nails on a chalkboard, it can be very difficult. Um, and I think tonight as we kind of jump into the series uh, called Balance, it's really a mini-series. I wish we had a longer time to talk about it. It just happened to fall this year right up against our Vision Check series, and we also spend two weeks every year as a non-negotiable right before Easter talking about where we've been as a church and where we're going as a church, and then we do Easter, right? So just how all those things fall every year kind of put together. We have Super Bowl Saturday in there, so how the series play out, and obviously wanted to spend some time doing this Overcome series, which was obviously by God's design to do some of these things certain ways. So we had three weeks to do some really cool things, but super fast. So if you're with us last week, uh, it was a pretty emotional week, especially for me as the one giving the message. If you weren't with us, uh, we talked about overcoming trials. Again, I would encourage you to listen to that entire series if you didn't um, over podcasts. But last week, especially for me, was a very emotional week. Tonight won't be so emotional. It'll be more um, a pretty, in my opinion, healthy dose of head, heart, and hand, kind of talking through all three parts. If you're a note taker, though, I'm going to give you some practical pieces tonight to kind of talk through a variety of things related to finances. Um, so as it pertains to money, we, the first week that we're going to kind of talk through for tonight, uh, the message is about debt, Okay. Now, debt is one of those words we think about money that has a negative connotation to it. 
Debt is a word that, uh, if, I, if I had to use a color to associate with the word debt, I would use red, right? Think about a budget line item, it's your, all your negatives are in red, black is you know, your, your other numbers that you're using, green is good, right? Income coming into your home. As we think about this idea of debt, though, I would say a lot of times we want to have a money conversation as it pertains to this idea of debt, but the reality is, uh, as we kind of begin this money conversation through the series of Balanced, and especially tonight for the series talking about debt, I want to lay the foundation tonight, and I'm going to move really fast tonight, so if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to try and keep up, but it's also going to be on Facebook, and, and you, can, you can always listen to it later on. But the first thing I want to give you tonight as it pertains to debt is that debt is actually nothing to do with money as everything to do with this idea of surrender. And so I say it this way, debt's central problem is more about surrender than money management. Debt's central problem is more about surrender than money management. So what do I mean by that? As we talk about debt, I'm not talking about your mortgage, your student loans, the lien that you have on your car, those are debts that you have for sure from a logistical standpoint. But what I'm talking about as we think about debts that we have, we're talking about someone who has control over you. So really when we talk about debts, we're talking about a conversation that really begins and ends with this concept of control. And so as you examine scripture, Money is actually talked all throughout Scripture. In the Hebrew Scriptures, or as it's often referred to, obviously, as the Old Testament, the Old Testament talks a lot about money, as just like the New Testament does as well. Now, what's very important in this context is we're going to examine here a large passage in the Old Testament. And just as someone who is obviously not only a pastor on staff, but as someone who teaches frequently from Scripture, I just feel like I need to give this disclaimer, especially tonight. You want to be very careful how you copy and paste things throughout Scripture, but especially pertaining to money, okay? Now, this is true, again, across the board, but we're dealing with an Old Testament passage that deals with people that are not Gentiles, which is, I'm just going to make a general assumption here. You're all Gentiles here, right? And also from a whole different timeline and also a whole different covenant, right? There's a lot of things at play here that would make this particular passage not applicable to the average person in the room. Now, that does not mean that you throw it out, right? But there is, does mean that there are some extra hoops to jump through to get to the application for this passage, which is why it's very dangerous when churches teach on money and tithing and things like that, and how we've handled it as a church is very different because you cannot just copy and paste Old Testament beliefs around money into New Testament ways of understanding money and stewardship. Does that make sense? We're on the same page so far? Now, we could do an entire theological workshop around money, and and I would actually very much enjoy it, Um, but the reality is most of you wouldn't, and so my job is to hook you tonight with at least enough content that you at least enjoy your time this evening, but also that God grabs your heart in this process and does some massaging, um, rubs the sandpaper on your heart a little bit tonight around some of the things that you maybe have some calluses and maybe you've, grown, uh, you've gotten a little rough around the edges around, but also that there's some pieces in your mind that maybe God wants to grow, and also that maybe there's some practical things with your hands that you need to start doing that maybe you aren't doing, 
Or maybe you're doing some things with your hands that maybe you shouldn't be doing, right? So let's just take some, an honest look in the mirror tonight around all of these things. So we're going to read 12 verses here throughout Deuteronomy. Um, it's a passage in Scripture that, in my opinion, is pretty cut and dry. Uh, so we're going to read through the entire thing first. And the heart of the message is going to exist in the last two verses, okay? So just stay with me the entire passage here um, as it pertains to, again, this idea of debt and surrender. So obey the commands of the Lord your God by walking in the ways in his ways and fearing him. Fear the Lord your God. And it, so, sorry, for the Lord your God is bringing you into good land of flowing streams and pools of water with fountains and springs that gush out, out into the valleys and hills. It is a land of wheat and barley, of grapevines, fig trees, and pomegranates, of olive oil and honey. The foodie in me is going crazy right now. It is a land where food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. It is a land where iron is as common as stone and copper is abundant in the hills. Where you have, sorry, when you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. But that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and, dis- and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I am giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Do not forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions, where it was so hot and dry. He gave you water from the rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. And he did this to humble you and test you for your own good. He did all of this so that you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you your power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. That's Deuteronomy 8, 6 through 18. So a lot of things happening in this passage. To summarize here really quickly, it's an Old Testament passage. God's giving some cautions here. A couple things here, obvious statements. God's not against stuff. He's not saying like, hey, all of you people who have nice things, who like good food, you're the devil. Get out of here, Right? That's not found in this passage, right? If you had to summarize it here, and I could go on and on and on, but you get the idea because you just read it with me. The basic nuts and bolts here without dragging this out, very simply stated, is that you did not do anything. It's all God's. Can we all agree that's a basic premise of this passage? Head nods are helpful. So when it comes to money, there's a basic understanding, especially as Americans, but this is not unique to us. This has been around for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, that we think that when you go to your job and you work the hours that you worked with the skills and the education that you've collected, and you get a paycheck directly deposited into your account that you opened up at your ex-name bank, that you now are entitled to spend it however you want to. Did you hear all the yous I just said? 
And if I were to read this passage in a context to you and reframe it, I could say this exact same Bible verse to you in a 21st century version and read the last couple verses to you and the same message would be true. But be careful, humble yourself, test yourself, and remember that all of the abilities are not yours, that God gave them to you. Remember that everything you have is the Lord's. Look at the last verse here, Nicole. Put it back up here for me again if you don't mind. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you your power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. We're talking here in the context of resources and finances. This isn't about how you love your neighbor. This isn't about how you treat the widow and the orphan. Those, are, those can absolutely be takeaways from this, right? Absolutely, I'm all for those things. This is about how you treat the paychecks and the things that you have in your life, the skills that you and I have that we think that is ours. So when we talk about the debts that we have, the first piece of this is you and I, we live as if it's ours. And so before we can ever have a conversation about how you manage a budget in your life, before we can ever have a conversation about money management or living a balanced lifestyle, we have to have a conversation about who are you surrendered to? Do you live your life as if you are indebted to God and is it, is it all his? Or do you live as if I worked at that, it's up to me how I manage it? I think we all fall into this trap from time to time. We're, this is not unique. So, again, albeit this is a context to Jewish people, there are clear implications that regardless of the covenant or the timeline of this passage, God is not against the stuff of the people that he's speaking to. He's not against your stuff. Having nice homes, as we read about in this passage, having nice food, thank the Lord for that, But regardless of what it is, whatever your luxurious thing is that you enjoy, the issue here is not the stuff that God is speaking to. And I can rabbit trail here a lot, but I'll just use one very simple, small example here because I want to stick to my time. But as many of you know, I do enjoy the finer things when it comes to the cooking uh, kitchen area. So when I splurge, I don't just buy the basics when it comes to... I don't know. Leah, help me out. What do I buy that's la that I don't? Okay, everything bagel seasoning. Thank you. I didn't realize that was a, a bougie thing to buy, but that's bougie. Okay, that is. Sorry. That's very bougie. All right. So I have everything bagel seasoning that I put on bacon because it's delicious. And many of you now will go home and try it or have tried it already because of me and consider yourself blessed. <laughs> Thus saith the Lord. So things like that I enjoy spending a little bit of money on. So I spent $3 on this small little can of everything bagel seasoning, and I try it on pretty much everything because I like everything bagel seasoning to begin with because it's awesome. And now I just try it on stuff, right? I put it on biscuits. I put it on a bunch of other stuff. And if you're listening at home to this podcast, you should pause it and go cook something with everything bagel seasoning because that's an awesome thing to do. But regardless, 
everything that I love to spend a little bit of extra money on, it usually happens in the grocery store. If we walk through um, Target and we're in the home goods section, I'm not tempted, right? If we walk through like uh, the craft section in Michael's, I'll wait outside, okay? Like you guys can Pinterest it up inside. I'll wait outside and read the sports section of Bleacher Report. Like I'm not interested in these things. But if you want to walk into Kroger, I'll spend three hours hanging out with you in Kroger. Like I, you, you are in my wheelhouse now, right? Walk up and down the wine aisle. Let's look at some fine cheeses. Let's go hang on the breads for a little bit. Man, we are, we are talking my kind of love, love languages, right? All day long. So God is not against the finer things in life, okay? That's, that, that's important for us to hear because I think sometimes we have this myth that we believe that God wants you to live in poverty and give it all away and that having nice things is against the Lord, okay? That's not true, number one. Number two, God does very much want you to remember that everything that you have is a blessing from the Lord. And you should enjoy it. But the moment that you begin to live an entitlement lifestyle, make no mistake that you're walking down a very dangerous path that will often reap consequences. Because as you read the story and the narrative flow of Scripture, people who live entitled often have to find themselves corrected back to a path of getting back on the right course. It's not usually pleasant. So I want to give us a quick little update as a church because as a, as a community, we don't spend a lot of time talking about money as a church. We spend really this series and then maybe pepper in a few other times throughout the year, no pun intended for food, uh, uh, talking about money as a church. Uh, and again, as Jeff mentioned a few uh, minutes ago, we as a church have tried very hard to reshape how we talk about money. A um, couple things here. If you haven't always called Awaken Home, a uh, couple things that we're super proud of right now. In the last uh, year, uh, last May, we, are, we officially became debt-free as a church. As of, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Clapping would be an appropriate response to, Yeah. We, uh, we had about $16,000 of debt as a church, um, and we are now debt-free. Uh, and it's a huge deal for a church our size. Uh, we, are, we are a church that operates on a budget annually of about a little less than $75,000 a year. We pay three pastoral staff members. We support one missionary pastor we have two volunteer co-leaders that operate on our co-leadership team. We have one business partner through our pastor and resident. We have one staff support on our staff team. So collectively, our staff team is made up of eight people, three of which are paid, one missionary, one partnership, and three volunteers. We support, obviously, through a ministry, four additional communities, we support one of, in my opinion, unapologetically very biased, one of the coolest outreaches in the Hampton Road City every summer through soccer camp, which reaches over 200 kids every year. 
And through that outreach opportunity, we see God do some amazing things every year, but we spend money on that every year. I'm very proud of the fact that we don't cut corners when it comes to trying to do everything with excellence, whether it's things, whether it's music, lights, sound, graphics, signage, the aesthetics that you see around our building, Forge Kids, security, check-in, all those things. We don't live the glamorous lifestyle, but we also don't live in a world where we try and cut corners either. We are very efficient with the little that we have. Um, let's see if I'm missing anything. I've done some other things here. Um, yeah, we've got a, again, I'm aware that I'm biased, but you can disagree with me later. Uh, I think we have a great church website. We're on social media. We're, again, revamping a lot of those things right now. We now are on podcasts. We're a part of three networks uh, that we're a part of through two different uh, denomination-esque type networks. And we're beginning to continue to have conversations with other entities that are beginning to dream up what it looks like to plant other missional-based churches not only in Hampton Roads, but throughout, obviously, the state and hopefully maybe even the country as well. Because God wants awakened church and we, as awakened church, to be a church that isn't just about, you're going to hear about this over the next several weeks in our Vision Check series, we want to be a church that isn't about us growing, but it's about what God is doing globally and around our country, but also in our Hampton Roads area. And finances is a part of that conversation, right? You can't get somewhere until you help figure out how stable you are and where we're going. We obviously rent this space for our weekly gathering. That's a part of our church budget. And so if you were to ask, and, and I do sometimes talk to other pastors, and, and you, I'm sure Jeff and other guys do as well, if you ask other church pastors what we do and how we operate on a seventy-five less than $75,000 budget a year, they laugh at what we do. Not because it's mean, it's miraculous at what we do. It's unheard of how we're able to pull off what we do. And on one hand, I want to say, guys, how cool is that, right? Like, look at what God can do through how we're able to manage our finances as a church. Look at how God shows up. And sometimes it's a matter of Jackie and I, who's our treasurer, sitting down and saying, okay, going to start praying for another miracle again this month. And somehow God does it, right? I mean, Jackie will be the first one to tell you that we've had those months recently, right? I mean, it is, it is something we, we talk about all the time. It is a faith-stretching thing to be the other part of my job. The fun part of the job is the teaching pastor part. The other part of my job is the executive pastor part. That's, that part stretches me quite a bit. So I tell you these things as an update because I do think God is doing something miraculous in this part of our church. Now, here's the reality part for us as a church, Okay. If I use a metaphor for us as a church right now, and this is the part of us talking about debt and surrender, if I use a metaphor, we are the young family. Mom and dad work jobs. They work a lot of extra hours. They've got two or three kids, pay for daycare, have bills. And every month they sit down and they barely squeeze it out. They're what you call living paycheck to paycheck as a family. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you are there. Maybe that's you right now. Maybe you wish that was you. I don't know. 
Regardless, you understand the metaphor pretty simplistically, right? We are, as a church, Awakened Church, is by default, currently right now, thankfully no longer debt-free. Praise the Lord, we no longer owe anyone a penny. That is a huge, awesome thing. But we are currently stuck in the position right now of living paycheck to paycheck, and we cannot get to the place where God wants to take us in the vision of where I believe God wants to lead us because we are using every little bit of our financial resources tied up around simply this idea, not quite yet, Nicole. Sorry, take that one down for me. Uh, we are using every bit of our resources around this idea of just trying to get through each month. Make sense? So I'm not here to ask for your money. I will never do that. So if you've been in a church where a guy's like, hey, it's that fun time of the month where we're going to start talking about how you're going to give me some money as your pastor, that's not going to happen. I unapologetically want to invite you to have good stewardship as a family, and I want to invite you to live generously. And I believe that if you do those things well, and you believe in the vision of where God is calling Awaken to, then you'll absolutely want to give to what Awaken's doing because you're bought into the vision. And you'll want to partner with where God is taking Awaken. Does that make sense? But I'm not here to ask for your money because I don't need it. You see, my God already owns everything because I just read about that. What I believe is that collectively we can do something that's way cooler together when we believe into a vision together. And so next week we're going to talk about this idea of a vision and owning it together, and then we're going to do a vision check series to talk about vision together, and then we're going to do Easter and celebrate all that Jesus has done together because these things are strategically stacked together for a reason. So as we talk about these things as a church, I just want you to keep an open mind with me. We're not going to talk about tithing for a reason. We get, and again, I could do a whole workshop on this, but the point of this not talking about tithing piece is because I want you to hear it's not about you having an obedience around obey a percentage law. That's not the point. The point is that I want to invite you to something different. So as I finish up here tonight, I'm going to give you three quick things here to wrap up tonight. This is the note taker piece. If this is you tonight, I'm going to give you three quick things, okay? Nicole, this is where you come in. Help me out here. All right, number one, reality check number one here for you. This is for you individually, okay? So, um, sorry, this is for everybody. So we are debt-free, but we aren't making any forward progress, and this will keep us from reaching our God-sized potential as a church and possibly threaten our future health. So this is reality check number one. read it to you again. We are debt-free as a church, but we aren't making forward progress, and this will keep us from reaching our God-sized potential as a church and possibly threaten our, our potential future health. Make sense? Head nods? Make sense? Awesome. Number two, Awakened Church uses the language of stewardship and generosity to describe our giving as discipleship pathways to help us grow individually and as a community. The reason why we won't use the language of giving centered around tithing is because it's obedience and task-related language. Tithing is essentially saying you should obey this law 
of giving 10%. Stewardship says it's all God's. You should walk in this pathway that God has to develop and grow you as a disciple. Generosity says God wants your heart to overflow with generosity because Jesus overflows with generosity. So we want you to grow as a disciple in the process. That's our heart. And we believe that part of that will lead to healthy percentages in your life, for sure. So I want to read this final verse for you, and then I want to give you some three steps here. I know I'm going through this really fast at the end here, and I apologize. But again, there's a lot of stuff here content-wise that I would like to share with you tonight. 1 Timothy 6, 6-10 talks about this idea of contentment. This is what it says. Yet true godliness with contentment itself, so let me read this again. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. You see, God's not against money. Money is a powerful tool, like many things, that God has a design to use for good. It's part of the discipleship journey that God wants to take you on. And as a church, we will not be shy talking about money, not because we want it from you. We want something for you. Let me say that again. It's really important that you hear what I just said. As a church... We will not shy away from talking about money, not because we want something from you, but because we want something for you. And stewardship and generosity help prevent the cancer, which is the love of money, which is the lack of contentment, which is the disease of control, which causes the downward spiral of debt in your life. So, final thing here, I'm going to give you some three practical steps here to help you tonight. Step number one, give it away. Give it away. Find something this week or during the series to give away. I kind of want it to hurt. So, like... Your broken iPod doesn't count. Like I would want something that you want to give away that causes this like death grip of control that you have on stuff. I want, it to, I want you to let that go. Part of living a balanced life and learning a heart of surrender and walking in the pathways of stewardship and generosity and learning to give to a vision means that you learn to have a heart where things freely come into your hand and leave because you understand that it's not yours in the first place. So I'm not asking for you to like go sell your car, but I'm asking you to so evaluate something in your life. Maybe it's money, maybe it's a thing, 
but you, your spouse, your family, your kids, yourself. I want you to find something and I want you to give it away. There are things in this church that we could use to help us continue to grow. Maybe you want to donate something to the church. Maybe it's to Forge Kids Ministry. Maybe it's to the Worship and Tech Ministry. Maybe it's to uh, an outreach ministry. Maybe it's a soccer camp coming up in a few weeks. I don't know. I can give you 100 ideas. But the point of this is not to ask for something. The point is that you find in your heart something that you decide you want to give away. Not to just simply fix the problem, but to create a posture in your heart of letting things go. Does that make sense? So step one, give it away. Step two, make a long-term plan. Many of you have actually never sat down or you're terrible at actually creating a long-term plan because there's, there's no budget, there's no system in place. There are a lot of really smart people out there, whether it's Dave Ramsey or other people, and there are things about even guys like that, Dave Ramsey, that I don't agree with, things that he says and things that I love what he says. So learn the art of, as I say, chew up the meat and spit out the bones, right? Don't just like take everything at face value, do some homework, figure it out, but figure out a long-term plan for you and your family. If you haven't done that yet and that's super scary to you, we have great people in our church who will help you. We've got people who are willing to sit down with you in confidence, who won't share your personal information with anybody else, and help you think through how to create a long-term plan. A suggestion, and I'll say it again, a suggestion for you would be to use the 80-20 rule. Live on 80% 80 of your resources, 80% of your income. Give away 10% to your local church local ministries, local missionaries, people like that. And then set 10% away for savings. So learn to live on 80%, give 10% away, set 10% aside. It's a beautiful example of how to live. It's a good starting point. It's not how you should live forever. In fact, I would say again, you should learn to live off of less than just 80%. But many of you aren't even doing that now. You live on... 90% and because you don't know how to manage the 90% well. But you need to create a long-term plan. So again, if you need help with this, one of the things that you need to do will be step three is ask for help and seek accountability. Stop trying to figure out this on your own. We are a church community, a family of believers, and you hear us say all the time, we are a church of missional communities for a reason. Because we do life together. We believe in God healing us inwardly. And we are raised to our fullest potential when we walk in community together. And as God sends us out to be generous people, we do that in community. But all these things, you could point back partially to how we handle our finances too. Our rhythms are absolutely connected to money because God wants to heal things financially in your life. God wants to raise you to your potential. But again, please hear me loud and clear as we finish things up tonight. This isn't about me wanting something from you. It's me wanting something for you. And you're going to hear that phrase a lot over the next several weeks, not just in the balance series, 
but also in our Vision Check series. Because as one of your pastors, but as the pastor on staff who gets to get super excited about sharing vision pieces with you, I absolutely want to see our church get to the next level. I want to see us grow and see more and more missional communities around our city. I want to see us stop living paycheck to paycheck as a church. I want to see us add new staff to help us meet new needs. I want to see us have new worship expressions around other parts of the Hampton Road City. I want to see us start other missional community-based churches around the state that we got to be a part of dreaming up with those people. We were started over 10 years ago with a dream to see missional community-based churches, to see the gospel spread throughout all of Hampton Roads. And we still haven't quite figured out exactly how to do that in Virginia Beach well yet. But I believe God is doing something amazing right now. And I think we're on to something right now that if we stay the course and figure out how to unite together, God is going to do something amazing over the next 10 years. I really, really, truly believe that. But it's going to take every one of us living as surrendered people, being bought into a vision together, and believing that God wants something for us, not from us. Amen? Let's pray. Father, you are a God who owns it all. It's all yours. Everything we have, down to the breath of life that you give us, is yours. You simply invite us to be good stewards. You invite us to then reflect your generous heart and how we are generous to each other. God, I pray that you would cause each of us this week to give something away and that you would use it to change our hearts this week. God, the way we think about our money would begin to change because you would remind us that it's all yours anyway. God, maybe we need to sit down and rethink through how we budget as a family. And God, I pray that you would help us to ask for help and invite people to hold us accountable so that we would not fail as easily and that we could get help along the way as we need it. God, I just pray for our church right now that we would get excited, that you would take the momentum of the things that you've been building and creating over the last several months, the last several years. God, you are using all of these things to do something amazing. God, I think about just the heart and the dream that you placed in Mike and Connie in the living room. God, I think about this idea of seeing it spread like wildfire throughout Hampton Roads. And how that the shackles of debt have fallen off our church for the first time 12 months ago. And how that we get to now dream into how we're going to help other churches live into this idea. And how you're going to help us grow to becoming a healthy, vibrant, sustainable church that's going to help inspire missional living all throughout this area. God, would you help us grow up in this process? 
because you want something for us, not from us. In Jesus' name, amen.